This is a production of Cornell University. For Cornell University's well-renowned Turfgrass program, I'm Frank Rossi. And I'm Carl Scamenti. And this is Episode 9 of Turf Talk, brought to you in partnership with our friends at Winfield United. Turf Talk provides just-in-time, science-based recommendations for professional turfgrass managers in the northeastern U.S. Frank, over the last week or so, it's felt a little bit warmer. What is the data telling us about exactly how warm it was in the last week and where we're at in relation to the average? Well, we love the weather here at Turf Talk, Carl. Tons going on with temperature shifts, seasons advancing rapidly, and moisture gradients in the Northeast. The above normal temperatures brought the season not just back to the 30-year average, but a week ahead of the 30-year growing degree day measure of the growing season. This means we've made up over six weeks of the growing season in the last three, three weeks. This has wreaked havoc with predictions and pest advancement. A good idea to have multiple decision tools this, this season, including phenological indicators, as we enter an expected cooling off week with widespread but still spotty, oddly enough, speaking of rainfall, right? Spotty rainfall, but that spottiness is going to be widespread. So there's been torrential rains dropping over a foot of moisture in the mid-Atlantic and north to central Jersey. And there's a wider gradient of moisture stress setting up in the northeast. The majority of the soils in the interior north and west, Carl, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania through North Jersey to the Cape have begun to dry. While there's rain expected this week for most, it's not expected to be significant, less than half an inch. Coupled with the sun at its astronomical peak, expect evapotranspiration or ET rates to be a quarter inch per day. Any compromised root growth from soil-borne pathogens might begin to show stress in these dry areas. And interestingly, the typical arrival of take-all patch on samples on bentgrass uh, in the diagnostic lab has begun. Summer patch on annual bluegrass is expected in the next few weeks, depending on the amount of stress. More stress, Carl, equals more pressure on rooting and more weak and thinning turf, which, of course, leads to our discussion about root pathogen. Yeah, already this year on this podcast, Frank, we've talked about uh, your, your fungicide drench at the beginning of the year to prevent these root-borne pathogens. Uh, but the reality is we're still going to see these samples in the lab. Rich Buckley has seen some take-all patch samples already. And he's expecting summer patch samples to roll in as we move along here in June. So for those who do end up seeing these present in the field, uh, what are some prevention options, some, some treatment options that they can explore? And, and maybe you can touch on some other uh, pests we're seeing out in the field as well. Well, the annual arrival of turfgrass samples infected with soil-borne pathogens has begun in most of the diagnostic labs in the Northeast, Carl. The first to arrive are the take-all samples on bentgrass that's beginning to show the presence of ectotrophic hyphae on the roots. That's roots growing along the surface, uh, hyphae growing along the surface of the roots, not in the roots. But uh, root rot and vascular discoloration of those roots is obvious, and there's clear infection sites. These symptoms are similar when annual bluegrass plants arrive to the labs infected with summer patch. Summer patch samples will begin to arrive in more persistent heat stress in late June, early July period. By every measure, plants showing infection at this point likely were not treated at the proper time nor in the proper manner. Now, from our pal Rich Buckley at the Rutgers Diagnostic Center, to control active summer patch on a high-value turf grass, make an application of a thiophanate methyl-containing fungicide or azoxystrobin. Continue to repeat the treatments at two-week intervals. Use the highest label rates and a three- to five-gallon dilution or enough water to move the product into the root zone. 
to prevent summer patch and susceptible turf grasses apply fungicides in late May when the soil temperature stabilizes around 65 degrees. Repeat the treatment at 28-day intervals in late June, late July, and late August. For optimum control, apply the materials in three to five gallons of water per thousand square feet. If that is not possible, use the closest dilution to the target and gently water the material in immediately after application. Now, Carl, to understand how vital it is to apply enough water to provide effective control of the pathogen, consider some recent work in Professor Jim Kern's lab at NC State. His data show clearly that to get 40% of a soil-applied fungicide to a one to two inch depth in the soil, a quarter inch of water must be applied. To get 40% to a two to three inch depth, then almost one inch of water needs to be applied. And these were sand-based root zones. Now, in the insect area, annual bluegrass weevils well into the larval states now, Carl, in much of the Northeast, except the least advanced to the North. Damage beginning to show and questions arising about application effectiveness, timing, whether there's resistance present, you know. The most recent applications on larvae seem to time well among the scouting resources. This could mean good synchronicity and intense feeding damage. Again, the damage will be more severe like root disease issues if the turf is under other stress. So watch other stresses, especially in weak areas on collars and fairway perimeters. Crabgrass is moving along nicely, Carl, but with some cooler weather and moisture coming through the cool season grasses, we'll be able to compete for space. If you have some crabgrass breaking through, don't wait for plants to get to the one to three tiller stage. That our weed guy at the University of Massachusetts, Randy Prostak, tells us, drive or quinclorac won't control effectively. There's that one to three leaf tiller stage, Carl, that it just doesn't control very well. A claim extra will be effective, as will tenacity for a post and some further pre-control out of tenacity. Obviously, with summer on its way, Carl, lots of pests and stress, but I wanted to skip the keys to success this week and go right to your favorite segment, the sage advice. Yeah, well, this week, Frank, it seems like you have some sage advice that's crucially important when we're talking about urban landscape management. What do you got for us this week? Well, we are taking it to the streets, Carl, the Doobie Brothers, you know. Your father will know what I'm talking about. Turfgrass areas, or as we often call them, urban grasslands, provide so many important ecosystem services. And simply ask the folks in Ellicott City, Maryland, where cars were floating down the street last week, about what happens when we pave too much area with impervious surfaces. So we have pervious grassland surfaces that are critical for stormwater management. However, at this time of year, there are challenges with our management of grasslands where they intersect with impervious surface or pavement. Turfgrass top growth begins to surge in the last few weeks and keeping up with the mowing has been a challenge. Urban landscapes dominated by impervious surface create an ideal additional challenge as it's easy to simply discharge the excess clippings into the street and drive away. I'm not persuaded by the landscape industry that claims the banning of power blowers makes it cleaning up too difficult. First, work to bag clippings along pavement. Discharge the clippings into the lawn. And if discharged to the pavement, then work to sweep and remove the clippings to prevent releasing water bodies. Studies show that 10% of all non-point source pollution comes from impervious surfaces. And less than single digits come from lawns. Very little runoff comes from lawns. To those that continue to perform this irresponsible practice of blowing clippings onto the ground, you have just discharged hundreds of pounds of a 312 fertilizer on the street. As an industry, when we stand up to argue against nitrogen fertilizer restrictions designed to protect water quality, 
It is vital we are also working to prevent discharge of clippings, landscape debris, and apply fertilizers and pesticides to impervious surfaces. Carl, it's not an easy job, but someone has to do it. Take it off the streets. Well said, Frank. Thank you for the sage advice this week, and thank you to all our listeners for listening to the ninth episode of our 2018 Turf Talk podcast series, brought to you just in time by Cornell University in partnership with our friends at Winfield United. You can find us online at turf.cals.cornell.edu and on Twitter or Facebook at Cornell Turf. For Turf Talk, I'm Carlos Comenti. And I'm Frank Rossi. Have a great week. This has been a production of Cornell University, on the web at cornell.edu.